0: hello everyone how's it going all right we are welcome to episode four of local rockstar show i'm mikey and this is jordan here we are here we are um man i'm still trying to get like it so fast to where i can like get on social real quick and like share the video
1: that 30 seconds is really quick yeah
0: it's like the fastest 30 seconds ever so i'll probably need to share that here in a little while but uh awesome Uh, Let's see here. Let's uh, let's go and get started. So a couple of announcements that we kind of wanted to let people know about that's going on out there. Um, So uh, Revolution Vintage, they just recently put out the uh, Appleton single, um, and they're also working on some other fun surprises. Um, I can't get any details of those specifics, but uh, definitely go check out their website. Uh, RevolutionVTG.com. They got a, they got the new Appleton stuff on there. Sammy K stuff, and they, um, you know, and just kind of keep a lookout for any news that comes from that from that site, Facebook, and everything else.
1: Yeah, give give Sammy K and Beth K some love at Revolution Vintage.
0: Absolutely. And then uh, also the other thing that that is cool that's going on right now is the uh, Fox live stream. So, uh, Bakersfield Fox Theater. Uh, here in town, is starting to do... Uh, they already have already had a couple. But uh, they're doing some live streams of some local bands, which is really cool. And um, so you can catch those live streams from the Facebook page for 23 ABC. Uh, you can do it from the Bakersfield Fox Theater uh, Facebook page. But then they also have the 23 ABC phone app. So if you go to, to any of the stores... On your Android or iOS, you can grab the uh, the app and check out some of those streams. They have a whole lineup. If you go out there, um, I don't have the lineup here, but they've already had a couple, and there's I think there's live streams going until like November. So I, I think there's a huge lineup of, of things going on there, which is pretty sweet.
1: Yeah, it's a lot, yeah, it's like a showcase, you know, of what's going on and a lot of what's going on in, ba- in Bakersfield musically. Yeah, really cool people playing.
0: Super cool. There's a lot of creative things happening right now with uh, everyone stuck at stuck in home or not being able to go to shows. Because if you see the live stream, there's no one there. It's just the bands. But they're, they're live streaming it. So it's pretty cool what they're doing. Um, so I think, um, let's see. Oh, if there are any announcements that you would like us to make on the show, um, be sure to hit us up. You can email us at localrockstars at gmail.com or you can hit up Messenger on Facebook um, or on Instagram. You can message us there. At uh, at LRS show. So uh, I think that's about it. So uh, Jordan, did you want to go ahead and uh, introduce our the guest of tonight's episode?
1: The guest, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, and don't forget if you have questions for for our guest tonight, that you can you can type them in, and we can see them here as we're doing this live. So if you have questions for us or for Nate, just send them our way so we can so we can address them. Um, are we gonna? play the trailer or you want me to bring in Nate now?
0: Yeah, do you wanna you wanna bring him in and then we can put the trailer up?
1: All right, let's do that. Yeah. All right. So our, our guest is, is Nate. Um Nate Berg. And you know, I was trying to think of what to say about Nate. Um you know you could say he's I, I here, here's what I think. He's a he's a stalwart of the Bakersfield music scene. You know, he He's worn many hats, he's a musician, he's a promoter, and, and he's a filmmaker. And in the, for me anyway, and probably for Mikey too, in like late 90s, early 2000s, I, I really thought of Nate as like the ringmaster of the circus, you know, the circus being the Bakersfield music scene. So incredibly happy to have Nate here to talk about his, his documentary. So ladies and gentlemen, Absolutely here's brilliant. Nathaniel Berg.
0: All the way from Canada. From hey, Canada. Hey guys, how you doing? Hey, how's it going, man?
2: Good, good. Thank good. you so much for uh, for inviting me on the show, eh?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely.
2: Uh, oh, no, happy to have you. It's a quality, quality uh production you got there. I'm quite impressed. This is eye-opening to me. And uh thanks for the thanks for the introduction as
1: ringleader.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. so, someone's gotta do it, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: I just picture you out in front of Jerry's trying to like keep everything all the chaos organized you know
0: oh yeah the three of us the three of us go way
2: back hey eh? all three of us I yeah we took a 96 you know and uh, jerry's didn't even have a pro sound system back then right it, it didn't even, yeah yeah it, didn't even have li- it had broken lights
1: <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. So,
2: now we're just sitting there, oh right?
1: i think that's how we got it's probably our first show right we're like we have a pa yeah <laughs> <laughs>
2: That could be, every night was a different PA for the longest time. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> and sound systems have come a long way. Now Jerry's is pro. He's got not beautiful lights and great sound system that's in there, new management, new food. I mean, the, the people that took it over have just kind of taken the ball and just run with it fearlessly. Oh,
0: right? Yeah, they've done a great job, man. It's it's super cool to see it uh, continue to grow and get bigger.
2: And uh, they actually have like a Mexican pizza now with like jalapenos. And I, every, yeah. every time I see Karina and I are on Facebook friends, right? So I see her, you know, post about the pizzas they have with the chorizo Mexican pizzas or the, uh, carne asada pizzas. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sitting there, I cannot get any good Mexican food up in Canada.
3: <laughs> right. right.
2: And it's, I'm just drooling. Yeah.
1: <laughs> where, where are you in Canada? I'm in Toronto. Toronto. That's right. Yeah.
2: Nice. It's a, it's a good place, beautiful place, lots of stuff going on. When people ask me what it's like, I say, it's like Los Angeles, but with better drivers. right everyone knows how to drive around here there's great public transit it's a good clean place it snows it's a little bit expensive but anything you want to do in in you know good or bad there's always something to do all the best tours come through here or they did come through here until Mm -hmm. the shutdown Uh, all the best entertainment everything right so i really am you know blessed to live up here i just wish it was a little cheaper
1: yeah. What brought you to Toronto?
2: I decided to kind of embrace my, my Canadian heritage. I kind of run to the end of the line as a promoter. I was exhausted, right, because I was kind of burning the candle from both ends. And a change of pace did me good. And I, I'm Canadian, so uh, to be straight with you, that idea of embracing, you know, the free Canadian health care is great because if, if I were living in the United States, I was paying Kaiser Permanente X number, right. Uh, each month for something I don't even need because I wasn't breaking my leg. I wasn't getting sick. Right, and I was a man in my 30s. Right. right? So I in, by coming up here, I get the free health care. So I'm covered. And it's pretty good. I actually get to save that money. So that was just things like that. It was time to have my country do for me. Right. Because in the United States, it was it was, it was time for a change of pace.
0: Right. And how long? How long yeah. have you been there now?
2: I've been there since 2007. Uh, so that's 13 years. Yeah, that long.
3: Like that. Man. It
1: yeah, that has flying, that's flown by. Well, because of social like media, would,
2: we're we're all hooked up, right? So we're familiar with each other and our lives and things that are
0: going on, right? Doesn't even feel like that. It just, that it just would bump
1: into you once in a while here in Bakersfield still. Yeah. You know, I well, probably that's... didn't know you moved like the first couple times I saw you, you know?
3: <laughs> I was <laughs> like, Oh,
1: it's you knit in a while, there he is. You
0: know? <laughs> Oh, hey, what's up, dude? Yeah, He was probably hanging out in Rosedale. <laughs>
1: <laughs> then he started saying A, and I was like, what's different?
0: Yeah.
3: <laughs>
0: That's awesome, dude. All right. Uh, do you guys want to uh, – what we could do is uh, go ahead and play the trailer. Um, Nate, did you want to kind of intro the, the trailer a little bit? We can get more into detail later, but if you just want to kind of give a little bit of a – Yeah, show. this is the trailer, the trailer
2: that we uh, put together for Amazon Prime. Um, back in January when we launched it on Prime. And I like this trailer, because it's kind of a weird mashup with Jonathan Davis talking, and then you have uh, Chuck Seaton's music um, playing at the beginning, so it sets the country-western feel. The problem with this trailer is that it's, it's got a couple of F-bombs in it, and it's very violent. So, you know, that's the film, right? That's the film itself. You can't take away from the theme of the film. It is what it is. But now, because we've submitted the film for distribution, um i've been given quite a big challenge and that is to make a trailer that's rated g all right that and and we did it we just finished that and it was it was a challenge you know if i had my druthers if i had my way i i I would be having the distributor you know have their hands all over this trailer the one you're about to play because it's it's what the film's about you know the rated g trailer is good too it's just it's apples and oranges so this one's raw. so if you don't like cussing and violence close your ears
0: yeah, if, uh, if there's anyone that, you know, just go like this. If there's any kids, you know, you know just... You're my... So let's They'll see be here. okay. Um, yeah, I think we'll be all right. So we'll what I'll do is right. I'll go ahead and share share this. Um, hopefully this comes over okay for everybody. So we'll we'll give this a shot. Um, there's always a first on this show. We're always doing doing new stuff. I don't want to take that old grunge
2: lane. Being young and growing up in Bakersfield, there
1: was not a heck of a lot to do.
0: There's only thing you could do is get fucked up, pregnant, or be in music.
1: Bakersfield hates on other Bakersfield people who have success.
0: Brunage Lane, I'll take fifty-eight.
1: The kids wanted it fast, loud, aggressive, and so you had the heavy metal, you had the punk. there is some, a lot of aggression,
0: a lot of hatred, uh, along with the music. 58. Oh.
3: like
1: this town Right. you're Stephanie in there huh? yeah yeah whole time I was watching a documentary it was just like this the whole time it's like yeah yeah it's just (laughs) like it's like looking at a a, a yearbook you know or something like that (laughs) I know this person I know that person I know that person yeah
0: absolutely I think I was at that show you know (laughs) yeah you'll 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 spot people like in little clips you know and, and go oh yeah that's so and so and so and so so it's funny because we shot uh,
2: we shot about ten hours of footage, and I think we took footage on seventy people, right? And I think like fifty eight of them ended up being in the in the film. Um, but I still have this big USB storage unit at my parents' house in Florida, and it has got ten hours of raw footage. We could probably make three more films. <laughs> 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 like
1: the unedited version. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, I'm not sure if we could chisel a different story out of it, but you know, it is what it is.
3: Right.
1: What, yeah. A lot of How long did it take you to make this?
2: Um, it, it took me four trips uh, to Bakersfield and um, we started at the early part of the lap, later part of 2017, just grabbing footage. And then we really sent it into hyperdrive in the middle of um, 2018 um, and then we finally got on an uh, online service uh, called um, RealHouse.org, which is actually a pretty cool service. And it, great resolution, great picture, great sound, great you know relationship with with the the filmmakers. Um, and that film was a two hours. And then I realized after getting feedback, we need to trim, right? So then we we made it to a, an hour and forty two minutes, which is the version you see on Prime. So it was released in, in Christmas of 2018. We started in 2017. So it took us a year to make it, um, maybe a little bit longer than that. Um, I feel bad for my editor because it was a lot of sessions with him and he's a, the editor, Dan, um, who's up here in Toronto and he sat shoulder to shoulder with me and actually uh, you know, he helped. working with him taught me how to actually put together a film. And he was extremely patient because I had no clue you know, previous <laughs> to that. I mean, I had no clue. So I, I had a big shout out to Dan Moshe in Toronto um, because a lot of his skills and talent rubbed off on me.
1: Gotcha. Well, that's that's good, though. I mean, when you're doing something new like that, if you have someone who's kind of willing to to teach you what they're doing, right? So you're learning from right. the whole process at the same time.
2: Yeah.
1: I'm yeah, the same no, way. Like no someone idea. comes to fix something at my house because <laughs> I don't know how to do anything, you know, I'll hire someone to come fix it, and I'm like, Hey, can you explain to me what you're doing the whole time? Because I uh, <laughs> I need to learn, man. That's awesome. Well, well, the movie's great. I, you know, I loved when you released it uh, when it was first released. All the pictures people put up having like viewing parties.
2: Oh
3: yeah, you know, yeah, oh,
1: it, was, it was so great. You know, seeing all the Bakersfield musicians hanging out, watching it together.
2: Yeah, it's it's been uh, it's been a great run. Even some of the people who uh, who are not actually in the movie have just been really supportive and have just kind of. They're kind of getting into the spirit of it all. Um, Unfortunately, we have this pandemic now, so people don't have live music to go to. So they're left with pretty much their memories of live music. So this kind of taps into that. Um, And because of social media, I mean, nostalgia is big right now. Nostalgia is really big in so many different formats. And, you know, live music being what it was before the pandemic, um, it was kind of butting heads um, straight head to head with the online movie um, you know, kind of industry. So online movies were actually dragging live music attendance down because a lot of people just wanted to stay at home and, you know, order Uber eats with their girlfriend or boyfriend and smoke a joint and watch, you know, the latest Jennifer Lawrence movie. So because of all that live music was like competing with that. So now the live music is on hold. Now online movies have kind of been the thing. And a lot of people are using this as an opportunity to kind of uh, repackage or look at their past from a different perspective and kind of cherish it, right? Through film. So yeah. it's unfortunate that it took a pandemic to kind of raise that up um, because people are, you know, they need some sort of entertainment. They need some sort of outlet. So um, hopefully the pandemic's over so we can rock and roll again, baby.
0: Yeah, absolutely, man.
1: Yeah, you're right. We, You know, it really makes you appreciate those things when when they're not available to you. Yeah, 100%. Right? Yeah.
0: What's who, who else
1: – Oh, Go ahead, Mikey.
0: Oh, I was gonna. Oh, you go ahead. It looks like you're at a line of thought going right there.
1: Oh, I was just thinking, like, who else was involved with you? Who else did you collaborate with in making making the movie?
2: Well, I have a producer, Chris. Uh, he lives down in, uh, and me and him go way back. We, me and him, go way back to the 1990s, like 1991. Uh, me and Chris were like street punks together in Fresno. I was going to Fresno City, uh, Fresno State University, and uh, we reconnected in the uh, when I was making my previous film. Um, and we became really good, you know, tight again. And we had discovered that he's a great writer and a great, uh, a great mind. And sometimes I get these manic thoughts and all these different ideas. I mean, I've got seven or eight different films in my head right now. I'm just raring to go, but it's always good to have that board that sounding board, someone who's going to put me in check and say, you need to slow down. No, I don't like this idea. This idea is terrible. You know, why don't you reframe it like this? Cause it's all about framing the ideas, right? And, you know, leave, left to my own devices, you know, I would have made Bones of Brunage four hours, right? But <laughs> it's good to have that. So he's the producer. He's done a lot of the business aspect. He's the one that got it up to prime. Um, he's an intelligent guy. And I, I just didn't, didn't know he was so creative, right? So, you know, asking him to come aboard, it's just been a great partnership.
0: Looks like everything lined up pretty good for yeah. what you needed for this. That's really great. Well, we have a whole bunch of other
2: people. I mean, I owe a great debt to the you know, rock and rollers in Bakersfield. A lot of people who uh, who came out of the woodwork. We had casting calls, and a lot of people came forth. And I said, you know what? Maybe I, this could, you know, that's the great thing about having ten hours of footage, right? <laughs> but it was it was so great. Like I hadn't seen the guys in Levex for a while, right? right? And we drifted apart, and they came down, and you know, to Jerry's, and we shot them in the base, which is kind of, you know, spontaneous, spontaneous, and you know, and. I asked everybody pretty much the same questions unless I knew there was something uh, out of them that I wanted. Like, I knew that guy's, guy's, I know that guy's got a story, so let me get it out of him, right? But some people, I just let the cameras roll and say, what was it like back then? Um, how's the family? What have you been doing? And uh, what have you been doing lately? And, you know, all the stories came out organically, right? So to hang out with the guys like the Lebecks, Nick and Dan came down and, and uh, poured their hearts out. I hadn't seen those guys in a while. All right. And we drifted apart during the latter part of my uh, my music, uh, my music promotion career. Um, so, you know, it was really great to actually kind of come back in a different perspective and uh, and work with all these people. So I owe a great debt to all the musicians. I could run off a list right now, but, you know, <laughs> I'm working my heart out to try and you know post the pictures and stuff like that. And the response has been great. You know, there's um, guys like Mark DeLeon, a Mad Dog Tattoo, mm-hmm. right? If I needed something, some information, you know, uh, I don't know everything. I I don't, right? Sometimes I I know some things, but about Bakersfield history, he was doing it way before I was. He was attending shows, being a musician, and there's a whole bunch of other promoters as well, and other people that unfortunately didn't make it into the mix for a whole variety of reasons. And, you know, I feel bad about that, Um, but it is what it is. I mean, there's always a door open for a sequel, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
2: there you go. I have – um, I, I, I've been given some footage uh, by Purdy Spackle of Scott Sturdivant. You, know, you guys know Scott? Slim the Drifter? Mm-hmm.
3: Right? Yeah, I did, yeah. Slim
2: the Drifter in 1979 was in a, uh, a punk band in Bakersfield, 1979. And he was 18, right? So he'd be wow. 60 now, right? So he was in a punk band called Teen Teen Suicide. And they uh, – he lived actually – before he got into a punk band, he, he was living in L.A., on, on sleeping on Darby Crash's couch, right? He was hanging out, you know, in L.A. in that whole, early 79 when that new wave was, like, falling apart and the hardcore punk was becoming big and there was riots and there was fights and Raymond Pettibone did all the art, right? Um, so it was just crazy times. And he was down there and then he came back to Bakersfield, and wanted to start a punk band, so he did. And uh, they got a gig at B.C., right? <laughs> and... Yeah. If I, this footage is amazing because it's amazing footage. It's shot, shot really good for 1979, and it sounds good. It's clean. Uh, unfortunately, the performance uh, kind of fell on deaf ears because the people that were there were watching all had mullets and acid wash jeans, and you know, and they were just all 1979 sort of you know people. So it didn't go over well. So you know, Scott, I, I, this footage is really like 30 minutes of it. So I'd love to do an, a companion piece to, you know, I'm working with Bo to try and hammer out Bo Mingus and, and Chris to hammer out a script. And what would this film look like? Right. You know, so we'd go back into the eighties and kind of do the whole heavy metal sort of thing. And the, you know, the, the, the parachute pants and the knee high moccasins. Right. I'm, it, I'm
0: starting to bring that back on my own. So. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful.
1: has got the, the, the fringe leather. Jacket, right, exactly, and everything, right,
0: exactly. Pretty good. <laughs> what was cool too, Nate, was when <clears> we're <throat> down here and you're doing the filming and doing the casting calls and all that stuff. You also put a show on that night, right? Or that I think there was a you put on a an, another show with other local bands. Yeah, we um, did two shows. That, were, that, were, that, that was you know. that was really cool because, like you said, you're doing an event, you're getting people on camera, but then you're also getting people out saying, "Hey, we're going to do some, we're going to throw some rock bands and some other type of stuff in there." I mean that's just it makes a whole thing of it, right? And I think looking people- back,
2: sorry. looking back, it seemed like uh, I knew what I was doing, but we were flying by the seat of our pants.
0: That's fine. I think everyone had fun. <laughs>
2: yeah, <laughs> I, I wouldn't change it for the world. Man. I, yeah. I, I was sleeping on a couch with uh, out at a farm out in Pumpkin Center, uh, where my buddy, you know, had a uh, my buddy Drew. And his girlfriend, Becky, who are all production assistants, they production assistants. They were very helpful getting me to the interviews and stuff because, you know, I don't have a car. Right. So up in Toronto, it's too expensive to drive. And I flew in. So I was sleeping. So he was driving me around to all these different, you know. So I owe great debt to him. uh, Debt of thanks to him, Becky. um, And I was sleeping on a couch and a farm in Pumpkin Center. (laughs) (laughs) Wild,
1: wild. Hey, I was when you were talking about that uh, teen suicide footage from the from the show at BC. Did you post something recently about that, like a picture or a little a tiny clip or something? Like, I feel like I've, I got I posted, the image of like yeah. young Slim with a cigarette on the stage and
2: beautiful. You've got it. It was just ten okay. seconds. I put some indie rock in the background and just you because know, I'm I'm trying to get people to talk like you know and you know that clip. I got a couple of guys that were there at that show who've got to be pushing sixty now. Right. Right. So it's a whole different era. It was before my time. 1979, I was seven. Yeah. Right. right. So, you know, that was the show went over so badly that they asked the promoter, Greg Goodsell, um, please don't bring any more bands here, punk bands here. You know, we're not going <laughs> to be doing any more shows. Um, and it also motivated Slim to move on to the next phase of his musical career, which was kind of proto Goo Goo Dolls music. Like he yeah, in a band called 97 Tears a band called uh, the Rainmakers, which were very, they were less punk. They were more like Levi's and forth, which is part of his evolution, part of Slim's evolution until he actually emerged as Slim the Drifter. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think, there's, I, I think there's a story there that's got to do with, you know, Slim's journey, you know, not as Slim, but as Scott Sturdivant and what brought him to his emerging into a new persona and becoming like this bohemian, drifter traveler like jack kerouac figure playing to like people at the greyhound bus station so and but in inside of that my idea is just to fill it with a bunch of like glam rock bands and hairstylists and 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 oil oil rig workers that used to be in like uh you know used to be in hair metal bands and wore spandex in the 80s that's the story that that would that would be the b story right so slim's the hero but the b story is all of these um way back you know, I don't know if glam metal is ever really going to have a renaissance. I mean, it kind of, kind of did with like Avenged Sevenfold and, and bands like that, right? Right,
0: right,
3: right.
2: And uh, you know, Black Veil Brides, whatever they're called. Um, I'm not sure, but you know, like I said, nostalgia's big, and I'm sure a lot of those people have some stories to tell about the '80s and what it was like. You know, you know, there was a great show, and one of the first shows I went to was in 1987, I think, was at Hard Park. It was called the summer slam and it was like all these hair uh, hair metal bands glam bands and and this bakersfield hardcore band speed metal band played called premonition and they just tore the place up and i was like Whoa, what was i 15.
0: Right? what's yeah. going on here dude yeah
2: but there was so many mullets and bullet belts and, and 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 cross crucifix chains and oakley sunglasses it was it was a wild time that's i think there's a story there right
0: We'll we'll see. I mean, we're
2: developing the ideas. We're talking to people and uh, we'll see what happens.
0: That's cool. It's pretty amazing if uh... you think about like how different how how different like the scenes have been like over the years. Like Bakersfield is just a, you know, there's certain bands that are just like that kind of type of band was here or this genre of music like worked here. Like it's sort of weird like how there's things that come and go and people stick with and there's just some weird stories that People like, hey, there's some some stuff in the documentary that I didn't know about, right? So I'm like, I was learning some stuff as I was watching. I was like, oh, that's cool. Um, because I only know of like the 90s to the 2000s type stuff. So going back was kind of cool just to see all the characters that were involved before I started playing in the scene, right? So oh, yeah. It's just really cool to see how drastic and how different this town actually gets with different genres and everything. It evolves really quick.
2: Um, Bakersfield evolves really quick. I mean, uh, where I think things changed was 1990, because in the film, in the first couple of ch- the first chapter, it's all about punks, and, uh, hardcore kids trying to find a place to have shows, renting mm-hmm. halls, bands getting beat up, right? And, uh, halls, you know, saying no more because the holes punched in the walls, which is a standard operating procedure back in the 80s. You know, you'd be lucky if you had a concert if the skinheads didn't punch a hole through the wall, right, through the drywall, and you didn't get your deposit back. So it was a struggle. So right. there was a show once a once or twice a year for that punk underground music scene. And then, it, you know, there's some of these places on union, that would do more shows and, you know, cradle of thorns had a lot of success. A band called the lonely. the Lonely was amazing, amazing band, you know, just, you know, just kind of vibing off that, that, uh, cure vibe, that kind of alternative, yeah. rock, sensitive alternative. And they, they had a great following. They put out that CD, our city, um, and the lonely are you know, great musicians, nice guys. And, uh, totally different vibe. But there would be a show maybe every couple of months and it would be like kind of, there wouldn't be any identity. But then, you know, there was a series of punk shows in the late, late 80s and, you know, venues were open, but it, you had to rent. So what ended up happening was in 1989 or 90, I think the first show, and there's a little bit of dispute when the first show was, who threw the first show at Bam Bams. But John Bentley, John Bentley, so what ended up happening is he got a taste of this cashola, right? Because he was having a packed house, selling drinks, you know, doing his thing, and he's a businessman, so more power to him. But he opened his doors to allow this music that had a bad reputation, right? Everywhere it went, he opened his doors and allowed bands to have a chance to play, right? So when he got a taste of that, it went from one show to the next one, to the next week, he was having two the following week, and it was just like, wham, the gates open. And then you know that all of these garage bands started to have a stage to play on and all their friends started to show up and new friendships were made and new networks were created and and it helped the sound guys it gave work to the security so this whole scene started and it was electric you know it, it it's i give john bentley a lot of credit you know uh, i mean say what you want about him as a businessman you know i was there for the good and the bad right um uh, but i'll tell you this he it, if without john bentley you know i mean maybe somebody else would have done right maybe somebody else some other pioneer but it was john right so he took the scene and he actually made it from something that was just clay and actually gave it a regular venue and then bands started to come and play bakersfield all the time right so that's what kind of turned it on, i think in my opinion
0: yeah like it only takes one one person or a couple people just to think of something to to kind of break something loose and it goes from there you know Oh yeah. And that's cool that it th- was able to have a spot that people were willing to go to and be like, Oh cool, let's do this and it just branches off into something really good. That's yeah. It's cool to hear those origin stories for that stuff, you know? He uh he lasted, uh Bam
2: Bam's lasted, you know, in different forms. He moved it around. There was one in Oildale, uh Empire Coffee House by the Nile Theater. But around ninety five he kinda pittered out, right? Even for what mm-hmm. maybe and then other venues started to do shows, right? So he had competition. And Jerry's Pizza started to do shows. I knew there were, you know, there were new, I knew there were bands playing there. So as I was a promoter back then. I, I did a bunch of shows with John, John Bentley, of course. I go into Jerry's, right? I drive by Jerry's. I, I got called by a band from uh, back east called Avail. Avail's like, you know, you guys probably heard of them, heavy, in, you know, indie kind of pop. But, you know, uh um, kind of a fugazi sort of band right and they wanted to play a show so i you know i couldn't do it at bentley's for some reason so i I drove by jerry's and see jerry this is funny (laughs) jerry it's in the afternoon he's he's got this giant flower pot that's made of clay with a cactus in it right and he's he's actually struggling because this this flower pot's huge i'm talking about it's about four foot tall and it's heavy clay and it's full of soil and it's got this big cactus and I park my car right up front. You know the parking spot, right? In front of Jerry's, that
3: cherry spot. spot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: And he says, young man, young man, can you help me move my flower?
3: <laughs> <laughs> he, he called his
2: cat. He was referring to his cactus as a flower, right? So, you know, I, I helped him a little bit. We, we chugged it along. And then we go inside and said, I, I kind of want to talk to you so I'm in the neighborhood. And I'd heard a little bit about him about Jerry, uh, you know, God bless him. I learned a lot from him over the years. Um, but I made one fundamental mistake, is when I, I sat down to talk to him, I thought that he had, his English was very, very bad, right? Because he's Polish, he came here from Poland and became a, you know, a whoop-ass businessman mm-hmm. and started in food and then created this pizza restaurant, living in his dream, living in his passion, right? And uh, I said, Jerry, I understand that you have bands play here, you know, bands like I'm like sharing with like, my like guitar, like yeah, bands, bands like this on your stage. I would love to. He said, "Son, let me explain something to you. I may be from Poland, but I'm not a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't speak to me like an idiot."
1: <laughs> hey, so that I, was. He was straight no, up with you though. That's good. I like that. You You're right? like, Okay, my bad. Yeah, <laughs> That's
2: and uh, we did we did the avail show and then we did some other shows and then, uh, you know, we just went from there. Right. So uh, that's that's that was my
1: first meeting with Jerry. When, when did Jerry's first start having bands? Do you know when that was uh,
2: 2000 uh, or 2000? Excuse me, 1994,
1: 1994, 93 or four
2: Yeah, yeah it's, it's commonly accepted that Too Lazy to Steal was the first show, although at right. uh, Jerry's. And Jerry claims that, you know, he claims that Too Lazy to Steal was the first band that played my place. Right. And that's Jerry's take on it. There's a couple of other bands that kind of yeah. lay, lay claim to that, too. So it's kind of like I wasn't there. I don't know. I can't speak about these issues. Right. Um, I just I leave it up to other people. Right. It's it's you know, it's in regards to who threw the first show. It's, to me, it's of no interest. What matters is that it happened. Right. And, and right. so I think it was 93 or 94. And I'm fairly certain it was too lazy to steal.
1: Yeah, I've seen I've seen that debate go down on on social media platforms too about who was first. But you know what? I kind of mm-hmm. thought I kind of appreciated it because I thought, okay, they're they're claiming this spot. You know, that means that they're proud of it somehow. Where this is something I, I did want to ask you about. You know, I did have written down like in notes to actually ask you about. It's kind of like the kind of like the Bakersfield attitude. It was even in the trailer, right? Oh, yeah. I couldn't know who it was saying, like, you know, Bakersfield. It's mad at other people from Bakersfield for being successful kind of thing.
2: Well, yeah, that's a, that's a popular vibe in this. Um, you were talking about who people claim, laying claim to, you know, the first show. It's amazing how that is so important. Everything, every, in Bakersfield, yeah. everything, everything is important, right? You know, Kyle Whitaker from Stereotactic talked about if you go into a bar and you bang into somebody, you know, there's a fight waiting to happen, right? Everything is so important. Right, and it's uh, and it's it's got a lot to do with uh, with that kind of blue collar attitude that came out of the '80s. Right, um, it's a very it's a very big uh, community that's a community that can, contributes a lot to the world economy in regards to oil and agriculture, and these are things that are go way back, and the attitudes that go way back. So it's like if I got a problem with you, we're going to have a dust up in the street. Right, so you take that, and even though not everybody fights in Bakersfield. take that attitude and you kind of dial it back it's in their persona right and that's one of the reasons why i love bakersfield because it's like it's a hard knuckle town where you know if you have a problem with somebody uh, they're actually going to tell you right there's a there's avoidance and then there's confrontation canada is kind of avoidant right people avoid try to avoid having you know issues with other people right canada loves to let things go right bakersfield it happens to be a place where it's foot on the octane. It's like confrontation, right? So, and I felt that, I mean, high school, I got picked on by jocks, right? And then, then you got the punks uh, fighting with the, the cowboys. Then you have everybody trying to go down to the cellar and give the gay people a hard time, right? You know, These are these bad ingrained 80s attitudes, right? But right. some of that still exists because everybody wants the, the shiniest, uh, the you know, Ford Bronco. Everybody wants the, the hottest, you know, partner. Everybody wants to be uh, king of the dance, king of the queen on the uh, the dance floor at rock and rodeo. Right. So, know <laughs> yeah. uh, fender benders, road rage. I mean, you are in California, just so you
1: know. <laughs> right. right? Yeah, yeah. You forget sometimes here.
0: We have here. a good question <laughs> here from Les uh, Nate. If you want to,
2: in all the years you've been seeing local bands in Bakersfield, what band do you think had the greatest potential to make it big that fizzled out too soon? Butterfly um, Station.
3: <laughs> um,
2: to be big, I fizzled out too soon. I've heard I've heard of so many good stories. I I never actually saw Spike One Thousand, um, but they were the toast of the town. I mean, everybody loved Spike One Thousand and Cradle of Thorns. And Spike One Thousand went back and back because Spike One Thousand kind of had this hippie vibe, and Cradle yeah. was a, yeah. t- t- completely twisted, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so they were big here, and then they made the decision to go to San Francisco, and they made it big. And Bakersfield never heard about them again, right? Right. So, and I saw them on heavy rotation um, in some of the bigger markets, um, but I, I never heard their music. So I can't speak to that. Um, there was this amazing band uh, I saw play at Bam. bands called Molotov and it was a Russian guy and he played slap bass. I mean, I'm just into that sort of music. It was very Prague. Um, but there, there's been, there's been so many good bands. I mean, that's kind of a head shaker because I've probably, I've probably booked, you know, I've got a list of all the gigs I ever threw, at, you know, in Bakersfield out, in every town. And it's at my son's my son's house, and in storage. I'm going to dig it out, scan it, put it on Facebook. Um, but there's so many bands that are just you know whoop ass. In regards to uh, to uh, to a band that's uh, gonna could have taken it to the next level. Um, there's a band that I really love, and I put them on a lot of shows because they actually drew from. They were from Taft. They're called E Race. Oh, right? uh, E Race. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, these yeah. guys from Taft. Every time they play, the entire city of Taft showed up. Right for the most part. And yeah. they play, they, I got them on some shows out of town. They had a good connection in L.A. They were tight with Ryan Shuck from Orgy. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, this band, you know, they're good looking guys, right? They got great gear. They got a great stage show, great stage presence, great clothes. That would be the band. I was, I was definitely in their camp, right? And they, they were nice guys and not very demanding. Um, so to answer that question, because I could just talk Bangersfield bands all day. There's so many gems out there. That I, you know, that deserve respect and deserve to be, you know, uh, talked about.
0: So I think I saw E. race open up for uh, a, a, like
1: was. a national tour, right? Wasn't it? Yeah, In, uh, they were, They
0: they opened. Yeah, they opened up for either bleeding you know, through stat- Static X. Static or... X, I
2: think it was. Yeah. 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 That's that. Uh, I think they were friends on that with some of those people too, right? Yeah. But it's it's tough being a band from Bakersfield because you know, Corn got it right. Corn quit their jobs, went down to Huntington Beach, slept on people's couches, got their own apartment, you know, and just kind of just played shows. It's tough when you see that that's the unfortunate thing about it, being a musician, because when you're in high school, it's all fun and games. Right? But when, when you turn twenty-one, it's harder to get friends to show up and see you play because all your friends have responsibilities. It's difficult. So it's harder to be in a band when you're twenty you know, so eventually there's this decision down the road that has to be made, how long am I going to do this? People in Bakersfield, you know the world is bigger than Bakersfield. And in order to kind of make it big, you have to be the master of every town. You have to be the master of Sioux Falls, South Dakota, Gainesville, Florida, and all places in between. But you need to go to, a you know, Corn did it right. They just cashed out of, of, <laughs> of you know, the standard living the Bakersfield and going down to LA and doing whatever their manager told them, right? And kudos to them uh, for their, their hard work, right? And that's what it takes. So, um, yeah.
0: So have you have you thought about posting the list of shows that you've done, or do you have a ha, how are you going to do that? Because that's a lot of shows, dude. And I don't, I I can't I can't even I don't even have flyers from my own shows back in the day, let alone a list. I was going to say we make
1: demand <laughs> a demand for a, a flyer for every show.
0: Right,
3: yeah.
2: <laughs> well, the list is like six sheets long, and it's printed in very small letters. And I printed it on a Xerox machine probably about two thousand five, right before I left. There's spots in it where I missed, um, times when I would d- wasn't around a printer. Um, and But it's pretty comprehensive. And I was, you know, I'll, 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 what I'll do is I'll take pictures of it and just post it, right? I, I'm not, I'm not going to be piecemeal about it. If I'm going to put it out, I'm going to put out the whole thing, maybe six different posts, and let people, like, look at all these shows, right? You know, one of the first ones I ever did, I rented a hall in uh, Fresno, California, because I was going to college up there. And we got this rent Nights at Knights of Columbus Hall, and we did the Angry Samoans. Um, with a local band called Slot Vinyl. Um, that name hasn't aged well. Um, and, and The Offspring, right? The Offspring was Great the second man. band. Yeah. And they, The Offspring were late. They had their mom and dad drive, up, drive them up from OC in a, uh, in a VW bus. And they were the nicest guys. I paid them $75. And they played. They thanked me. And th- this was before their album even came out, the one that was before the one that made them big. Right, the one that had that song beheaded on it um and oh, yeah. i think they put out a few seven inches um so they were the nicest guys so that was the first show i ever did right it was just renting a night at columbus hall they get the bar i get the stage pay the deposit hope the skinheads don't put a hole in the wall Right, and yeah you know, i did all these shows what i'll do i'll just upload the take photos of the list and put it up and you guys can just go haywire Right, there's no need for me to dribble it out one show at a time.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It'd just be cool to see what the conversations are like with a huge list like that.
2: Oh, well, Mission Tonight's on a whole bunch.
0: There's there's a lot there's a lot of a lot of shows we played. Yeah, <laughs> that
1: was fun to look at those little flyers and and you know you just go right back into that night. You know, into and, to, and look at the the lineup. And it's like, man, we played with some diverse bands on one bill too. I mean, I like that. About that back in the day, but Mission Tonight. You guys were so.
2: great. You're a great band. I, mean, I got to tell you, as a promoter, as a promoter, I've got to do some things, some you know things that I don't want to do, and that is unfortunately go where the dollars at, right? Um, but you know, there's this old saying: you don't want to meet your heroes, or you don't want to book shows according to your taste. Mm-hmm. You book them according to like demographics and and you know, and, and and numbers, mm-hmm. right? So. You know, I wish there was more that I could have done to the bands that I actually like, but you guys are amazing. I mean, first of all, you kind of had that dark, kind of groovy alternative sound, and then you had the singer. And Fresina for is an amazing vocalist, right? And she hit the notes and she had stage presence all over the place, right? And you guys have the sonic style. And I mean, I wish there was more, I could, but that time was like, that was 97, 98. That was the time when, you know, new metal was big <laughs> yeah. and, and gutter punk was big. Right. Yeah,
0: we played with a lot of metal bands, and like, yeah, it was always it was always funny. We talked about this before. Is you know we'd go up and play, and people are sitting up there, and uh, then the metal bands come on. And, you know, we just did our thing, and we'd step off, and people were like, "Hey, um, like, you know, your band doesn't really fit in this bill, but I really dug you guys." And I was like, "I love doing that." Re- <laughs> that was perfect. It was we actually had a lot of fun doing that because uh. it was it was playing to a, a group of people that we never thought we would hit up you know it's pretty- but you know what's <laughs>
1: funny about like we're talking about kind of like the bakersfield um residual well an existing like blue collar attitude you know and even into like the art scene into the local music scene which is funny to me about that was like even when you would see like a uh, pop bands you know playing it's like yeah, <laughs> you still wouldn't I, you know, I would think about mission tonight like we were all very friendly like gregarious people but uh, at the same time people got out of control it was like i know we're playing pop music we're still bakersfield motherfucker you know
2: well the times were different back there, then the don't time, get there, wrong, yeah. of,
1: there were a lot of pop bands like that which always cracked me <laughs> up you know they would be like look how those guys are dressed go make fun of them i'm like yeah all right <laughs> good luck time, times were different the end of the 90s was
2: very aggro i mean if you went to woodstock too i mean that was a bad oh, experience ooh. right yeah. So, just, it all comes down to Bakersfield being the wild, wild west, right? It's a little piece of West Texas, you know, kind of like yep. the zona, kind of like the El Paso part of Texas, just nestled in like the valley, right? Where people have options, but because they have options, they have options, right? But they decide, you know, I live here, and look, Bakersfield's got some wonderful things, right? It, it, it's got great food, it's got great culture, it's got, a, you know, a, a, I mean, it's growing, I don't know what it's like anymore, now, but it, it's a good, it's clean still place. still growing, yeah. yeah. And we can make fun of it and draw attention to the fact that it's on the you know lists of like some of the worst things in the United States. Um, but, you know, fake news. Yeah, fake news. <laughs> and you
0: know, it, to go back to what you just said, you never knew how your night was going to end. You, oh, yeah. could, you could be like, oh, I'm going to go to a show. I'm going to get in the car and come home. No. It's, yeah. Something always happened. Something was it's. I mean, just countless stories of like just crazy shit going on.
2: It's actually kind of sad because, you know, if there's anything I'd love to see, I mean, I have no right to make demands. All right. But if there's anything I'd love to see is, uh, you know, downtown is, still can be a very violent place, even to this day. Right. The city has opened up so many different developments out west and yeah. more power to them. You know, construction's going on. Bakersfield's moving. It's growing. But downtown being the center of the music scene and the nightlife scene. Um, and when I was making Bones of Brundage, when, we, when me and Chris were up there filming, uh, there was a, uh, a fight between two girls at a uh, art gallery that led over to uh, Dagny's Coffee, and one of them died. Right. Mm. A week later, there was uh, a shooting at the uh, oh, no, another stabbing at the uh, Bone Thugs and Harmony show at the Fox. Yeah. Yeah. A week later, right? So it's like, wow, this place has not changed. I love it. I love Bakersfield. I love the danger, but I wish people would stop taking it so seriously to the end. You know, right. that's, you know, there's, uh, you know, it's bad enough that there's a lot of people in the music scene that, you know, aren't around at this point, right? right. For whatever reason, a variety of different tragedies,
0: right? Yeah, it's true. Very true.
2: So maybe, uh, this is the great reframing what's going on right now. Maybe when we come out of it, people uh go back to promoting concerts and, and and having full restaurants and movie theaters maybe we won't take it for granted so much maybe we'll actually be able to look at it and say and enjoy it you know
1: with a bigger heart right that's that's my hope that's what i hope too like i'm personally i'm just so ready uh for that for shows i have that feeling i did um we we're talking about bam bam's earlier. you know it was um Friends of mine, it was like their older sisters that first took us to shows, you know, so we're going, we were like, the, we we're like those weird little kids that you, everyone go like, should they be in here? You know, we were <laughs> my friend and I, and um it didn't matter who was playing, you know, we we're just so excited to be kind of a part of the scene and taking the music and, and just see, okay, who, oh, who's, who's going on next? What are they, what do they have? You know, I'm, I feel like I'm in that same uh, state of mind right now for shows. I'm ready. I'm like, I don't care who it is. Like, I want to go. I just want to go check it all out. I want to be a part of the group of people kind of however they do it, vibing out to whatever music it is. Yeah. I'm just yeah. ready.
2: Uh, it's, it's one of those things where you just got to hope, right? We hope that uh, things straighten out the mm-hmm. problems with, uh, with, with the pandemic straighten out and, and society's, you know, political situation that's going on right now. There's so many different weird forces at play. Hopefully yeah, they yeah. iron out in, in a way, I mean, because I, I use this expression around my friends, like I can't wait for this pandemic to be over so I could go do this. All right, first of all, who am I to say that the pandemic's ever going to be over, right?
1: That's uh, what I mean. Like when it's safe, I'm ready. You know. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: I, I live down the street from a whole bunch of, uh, you know, a great burgeoning uh, neighborhood full of like foreign food and, and clubs and bars and stuff like that. And I was walking the other day, and half of them are boarded up with for sale signs on them, right? Yeah. Um, it's almost as if, you know, we were kind of spending, as a society, we were spending on credit, and all of a sudden, the creditors have come due. Right. right. The, the debts come due, right? The creditors are knocking, and it's like, either we're going to continue doing this. I, I I feel for those restaurant owners.
0: Yeah, there's a lot hey, of that going Hey,
1: you'll, you'll like this, Nate. I read something, I think uh, this morning, that there's some kind of new deal struck with the city for the restaurants that are in, you know, in the alley, you right behind Jerry's where they have that gate, where they can close the gate. So they're going to close the gate and they're going to have outside seating. So it'll help out with those restaurants a bit.
2: Now. Oh yeah. I think I saw that post too. Uh, the alley oh, yeah. is unique. Eh? The
1: yeah. Yeah, it is, is, yeah. It's beautiful. A lot of stories in that alley. <laughs> yeah. So that's, yeah. Well, that'll, that'll help keep some of them afloat. I hope. I was going to ask you to, okay. So talk about venues. Someone, I think it was less asked you in the, in the chat about or someone about bands that kind of fizzled out or your favorite bands. But what about venues? There've been so many venues that, that just don't exist anymore, you know, but you'd step foot in a few of them. What do you think was a, it was funny
2: because uh, we were asked you know, there was such a, uh, an abundance of venues in the two thousands. Right. And, you know, you can't put bad religion in Jerry's. You can't do that. Right. So Jerry's, you know, we so we, other promoters as well. Tim Gardea was a great promoter as far as promoting concerts. He always got a lot of the bands that were just like no effects, bad religion, uh, yeah. green day. Right. He got that tier of fans. I was more like a 300, 400 seat venue guy. He was more like a 700 to a thousand seat venue. Say what you want about Tim, uh, businessman. Okay. Uh, promoter. Okay. Person. I, I, me and Tim got along. Right. Um, but the venues, uh, they would revolve. There was this place called La Fiesta Hall. Um, there was a uh, they, the, there was a whole whack of them. Dax is talking about Casa Royale right La here. Royale. That was great. Yeah, uh, There was the, the Montgomery Wall Royal Plaza. That was a kind of cool location. There's a, always an abundance of venues. Venues aren't a problem, right? Hmm.
3: Having
2: a uh, you know, it's a, sometimes when you do, when you rent a big show, when you do a big show, a lot of it's the production that comes with it. Right, so you kind of get hit by both sides, right? Uh, you know, I was speaking. Uh, I learned a lot about show promoting by working with Eddie Numskull Ventura. I learned a heck of a lot and applied some of it. <laughs> you know, yeah, he's really good at what he does. And Joe Malash from uh, Icon Concerts, who did a lot of the Fox, okay. right? Um, Joe and I and Doug Castro also involved. Um, he uh, he got out of doing live concerts and started to do comedy, and he did very well at comedy. Joe Melosh, an icon, did amazing at comedy, and I'll never forget what he told me, because it was all about venue and a production, right? He said, well, comedy, because he did like Polly Shore, he did, you know, uh, the, he did Larry the Cable Guy, he did all the greats, right? I mean, I'm just, I'm drawing a blank, but he did a lot of the great comedy shows that have come to Bakersfield, I think he still does. And he told me, I said, why did you, were you drawn to comedy? And he said, well, it's simple. Hey, Mark. How you doing, buddy? Uh, <laughs> good to see you. Um, why are you drawn to comedy? And Joe said it's simple because you rent a building, you get a stool, you get a cup of water and you get a PA. I it. said it's a comedian. Right. That's all you need for comedy. Right. And, you know, a guy like Carrot Top will show up with like, you know, a golf car, a car that spews flames. But it's not my thing. You know, mm-hmm. so the production is lower. Right, and then people are sitting in chairs. They're not going to get fistbites. right? So I understand why he kind of, you know, I think he still does the occasional, you know, rock concert too. You know, um, I was just like manic. I just went straight in. I had to do everything, something every Friday and Saturday. Some of these bigger promoters did it smart. They laid back and actually threw the ball when they needed to throw the ball. They could rent a bunch of these different venues, right? The gate was another good one, right? The gate, the gate, for what they did by taking something that came out of the Christian community, right? And there's a danger with that because you're going to wonder if secular people are going to go to the gate, right? But he wrote Rob Allison um, and the Allison family, they rolled the dice, they started to do shows there, and they offer people you know, phenomenal lighting, great stage, great PA system, and it was a big venue. So when you actually had a good show in there, it felt like you were like a rock star, right? So he did a lot for the people of Bakersfield, but it it was night and day. It was like what we were doing at Jerry's um, was completely different from the gate, but there would be some bleed over. There would be like some of the punks would go over to the gate and a lot of the the, the people that came from the gate community, the more spiritual community would come over to Jerry's. And then some of the bands would do the same mission tonight, play both places, right? So every venue has got a different story to tell right it's every every venue has got a uh, and there was some even smaller ones like what was it what was the one called the uh uh the phoenix theater I think it was out oh, there. Yeah. oh yeah yeah <laughs> oh, that's uh, right yeah by yeah. rusty's pizza in the on the east side right uh yep. Stramler mm-hmm. park right I, I i would love to do i mean i would love to do another show at Hart park right it's that's what a great place for the van's warp tour to do. i mean rest in peace fans right Warped tour. Right. Right. Um, You know, the only problem is you got those peacocks out there making a whole bunch of noise that hide in the (laughs) (laughs) trees.
3: We hope it's the peacocks. Yeah.
1: (laughs) No one remembers uh, Big Daddy Rick's from the east side. Do you remember that place? Oh, yeah. I heard. I never went there. there.
2: I mean, there's still so many good venues. I mean, you know, I, I love going down Union Avenue. I mean, and, and looking at the palm trees and the old and a lot of these old blasted motels. I mean, there's such poetry in Bakersfield. It's, it's such an eminently filmable and, you know, artistic-looking place. Because if you take yourself out of it, you get look, you guys got to see it every day. So I get it. I've been up here for 12 years. So when I go home, it's special. When I come to Bakersfield, it's special, right? I fell in love with that crushed vel- uh, per- uh, red velvet that's in the Guthrie's alley cap right yeah yeah, yeah there's so so many years i take that for granted All right. but i come back and i see it on the wall i mean when i was back when i lived in bakersfield i'd be looking at that you know probably swaying because i've been drinking too many of those alabama slammers <laughs> bubba you know pollard's been making at the bar right and right. you know i take it for granted but now i come back and it's just like wow there is a deep rich history it's like the Bakersfield sound in bakersfield bakersfield sound has got a huge tapestry of of history and it's loved all over the all over the world all over the the country world right the country scene Nashville's got a whole street dedicated to Bakersfield Sound there's a little restaurant um in like 12 miles maybe 25 miles outside of El Paso I think the town's called Los Fresnos but don't quote me um and it's outside of El Paso and it's entirely Bakersfield themed right it's Bakersfield themed restaurant. It's going in there. It's got the pictures of like you know Merle Haggard. It's got a picture of the Bakersfield sign. It's got pictures of the, the oh, clock wow. tower, you know. And you know, it, it, they just love it. So you come to Bakersfield and you got the Bakersfield sound, and everyone's all eh, eh. They take it. People in Bakersfield take. I mean, look, I did it, all right. But to come back and yeah. to see all these old creepy buildings that you know that are most of the time get like, you know, they, they're not. They don't get rented. That's. I mean. I'm going to throw this out there. A lot of people ask me why, uh, what the hell does Bones of Brundage mean anyway? What does that name mean?
3: Yeah. Right?
2: Uh, when I came to Bakersfield in the 70s, or oh, excuse me, 84, when I came to Bakersfield in the 84, Brundage was a popular street, right? It was like the right. artery that took you from the, the west side to the east side, running side by side with Highway 58. It was a bustling street. <laughs> um, now it's desolate, right? You have some auto body shops. You have a lot of empty buildings. You have a quickie Mart. You uh, you have an occasional Popeyes chicken, right? And you have maybe some good food. I mean, I'm not talking. It's it's a street because of the desolation of Brundage Avenue. It's been caused primarily because of the development that's going out west. A lot of these bigger bigger cities, in my my estimate, a lot of these bigger cities, they cannibalize themselves by building out to the the outskirts of town, and they leave the insides of town. They don't retrofit the insides of towns, right? Yeah. So. Well, Brundage is kind of a, kind of that lonely, lonely feeling when I think of, you know, it's, it's like Chuck Seaton said in the song, I don't want to take that old Brundage lane. It's got that two, those two old rugged lanes. I'd much rather take highway 58. I'll take 58. Right. Cause everyone's fast pay. So bones, you know, it's the carnage, right? The leftovers. Right? Yeah. yeah. People. And it's also got a double meaning because to make your bones with somebody means you're going to fight them in the street. It's all banks.
3: And it's. <laughs> You know, someone says, Why don't you call it
2: Bones of Chester or Bones of Truxton? I said Brundage sounds better. It just sounds better. Brundage.
3: Right. It's a guilty <laughs>
2: yes. it's a guilty pleasure, you know. Allow please allow me this one
1: artistic freedom.
0: Exactly. What? <laughs> it's just what? This what? the one. <laughs> no, well, it's a great well, it's a
1: great name, dude. It sounds like a song title, but it could be a country song, it could be a metal song, you know. It could be a folk song, dude. It, you know, it's like <laughs> It, when I was
2: when I, when I was fourteen I was watching classic episodes of Doctor Who, right? Like Doctor Who from England, and they all had episodes that were like The Monster of Peladon or The Talons yeah. of Wen Chang, The Caves of Andrazani. And I'm a science fiction fan. So I said, Look, I'm and I'm the fourteen year old in me came out. Look, I'm I'm making a film. I get to pick the title? Great. I'll I'll do a Doctor Who style style title, Bone, the Bones of Brundage, just like a Doctor Who title. <laughs> oh, <that's beautiful. laughs> bones, bones of Bernard <laughs> Bones of Bernard <laughs> I mean, It's funny because the St- Stephanie's Stephanie Bell and Stephanie uh, it was Stephanie Bell and Steph Box right? Mm-hmm. Um, they've been very they've been very helpful. They're you know, doing a lot of the social media the networking. I mean there's so many people I need to thank but they came up with a title for a sequel and we were actually talking about trying to do something because look let's face it Bones of Brundage is, is a very male dominated film there's like maybe six or seven women in the film Right. So in order to tell the story in any sort of kind of a way that is uh, more satisfying, we should go into the fe- But it, back in the 80s, there weren't too many female fronted bands in Bakersfield. It's just that's the way it was a very macho scene. Right. And it is. It was. And we'll all take they claim to that and take ownership of that. Right. They wanted to do a film about females, right? females in rock in Bakersfield, yeah. the women in rock. And they wanted to call it the bitches of Brundage. And I said, "Ooh, I like that. <laughs> I like that
0: because <laughs> no, I mean there was there was a lot of good um, bands. Yeah, there were, then, but yeah,
1: by the time we started playing, like around then, yeah, seemed like there, were, yeah, there were a few more. Well, even our band, but
0: oh yeah,
2: yeah, it started to change like in, oh, yeah. in, in in the middle of the '90s, right? It started to really change. I mean, Cradle had a you know Tamara, Tamara was a yeah. great singer of Cradle of Thorns. I mean, I I've got to give a shout out to Ty because Ty, when we filmed him, he threw his entire sc- story out there. All of it, and we used practically all of it. It was such a good story, and he was honest. Ty Young was honest about how he kind of flamed out in rock and roll. He's given this tremendous opportunity, and when you balance it out with Ryan Shuck from Orgy, and how Ryan actually went on to a certain degree of like sustained success, whereas Ty came back to Bakersfield and ended up, you know, having to pack it in after Video Drone. I mean, it's in the story, right? Yeah. Ty gave us this wonderful, you know, heartfelt story, and we was just three of us sitting on the balcony out in East Bakersfield and he was hotter than hell and he was just pouring his heart out. Right. And cradle of thorns were a big part and Tamara, you know, she, I think she got pregnant quit the band. Um, but then spike 1000 came along and they, you know, yeah. cradle and spike. So there was, there was some more females in the 90s. So we tried to, you know, tried to do as much, you know, we, we, we did the best with what we had at the time because making a movie is and this movie anyway, was not perfect. I didn't have a script. I just knew there was a story there. Yeah. I, I knew there was a story so we owe it if, if there was to be a sequel we'd be talking to a heck of a lot of the uh, the, the women in this town and hopefully get a uh, more of a uh, a more worldly approach you know bones of brunages is what it is it's raw it's ugly but that's what it was
1: who were the who do you would you consider like the best storytellers that helped you out was it mark or Ty Mark I call mark the MC because we don't really go <laughs> into
2: like Mark's story Mark you know just happens to you know, so, you know, Mark is kind of like the, the consultant. Um, I love Mo's <laughs> story. Mo's story is, is Mo Dami. Um, the story was, I had a little fanzine in 1987 and I interviewed Mo. I went to Sam Goody records, uh, or what was called warehouse in the mall to interview him. So I've always liked his Gothic stuff and I felt bad for him. I felt, you know, because he's playing this, you know, this Gothic music, that's scary and rich and just kind of full of like atmosphere and he's playing it in a town full of bronco you know cowboy boots and leather right and it's like he wanted to bring something how do you do that i mean if you're going to be a goth band it's pretty hard to make a mark as a a death rock band um and now you got to make it in bakersfield right so his story is so touching right so he was a he was a gentle story right that he actually Mm -hmm. you know he worked a, a great job um in the city of bakersfield for a long time the band got back together, and then he hooked up with Jello Biafra from Alternative Tentacles Records, and uh, they actually finally got their wish. They wanted Mo wanted B- 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 Jello to put out his music back in '86, '87, right? Um, Jello couldn't do it then, but he circled around in the back at the end of the narrative, you know, with time, yeah. the epic scope of Mo's life, and he actually got his wish a little bit later under different circumstances. Right? That was a great story. Purdy Spackle is just like some comedic genius, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I feel, I, I talk to Purdy all the time. I mean, he's, you know, I, I cause he's got the goods. I mean, Purdy Allen, uh, Purdy, Purdy Spackle, uh, Chris Goodsell, um, has supplied so many good images for the film. So many people have come forward, so many great images and they still do. Every day I got like four or five people sending me photos, flyer, stuff that's gonna be posted. Cause it's, it's a celebration. Uh, doing this for me was to see if I could try something new. But it's so much more meaningful when you consider it to be a celebration of everything you you, and I, all three of us have been through and and hundreds of other people. You know, there's people that live in like Oklahoma or, you know, or Maryland or Maine. Right. And they 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 move from Bakersfield. So they're interested in that. Right. So Purdy has all of these things. He used to be a pen pal with G.G. Allen. All right. G.G. Allen and Purdy. So. Purdy has, Purdy has a collection of original letters from Gigi Allen. I've seen them. Right? Wow, he sent me cool. scans of them, and some of it's nasty stuff. Right. So as far as the I'd story, be
1: disappointed if it wasn't. <laughs> if it ain't Gigi, it ain't right. Right.
2: right, right. Um, so th- there's a great story. I mean, so many good storytellers in person. I wish we could have told everybody's story. But you know, mainly the, the, the main characters, of course, is Mo. you know, Ty. Mark is the, is the MC. Jonathan Davis brought a lot to the table. Actually, he put me in my place, right? Because I, I really wanted a country-western story. I really wanted to put like a chapter. You know, the, the movie would have been bloated if I would have done a chapter on The Bakersfield Sound. So, and I was angling, I, I started filming, and I went to go film Jonathan Davis, and he said, I get calls from some of these country guys, and they're a little worried. <laughs> I'm a little worried because I just <laughs> launched a Bones of Runnage trailer, a teaser trailer, and it starts with Bakersfield Hates. Right. a lot of these, you know, guy older guys, they're not it so I I said, Yeah, it's another film if it's ever gonna happen, right? Right. Um uh so, you know, there's so many different people, you know, I could I could give shout outs to um that, that brought something to the table. And without some of these pieces there would be no film. All right.
0: Yeah. I um I know I have or at least Lauren does right um she still has tons of photos that we need to go through. I mean there's still so much of that um i I found some old tape. I need to figure out how to transfer it or work on getting it transferred. I don't know what's on them uh but I think there's a couple bands on there um you'd be surprised what you can find you know what I mean oh, yeah. digging through some stuff, but we have negatives from from a lot of old shows at Jerry's and the gate and things like that. So I would love to see him. I would love I to might, see him. I might have to spend some time to to kind of get through those, but yeah, there's a lot of the photos that you put in the documentary that Lauren had too. That were there's just cool to get those snapshots in there. Yeah, oh yeah, and and, yeah. and some of these photos
2: are actually becoming like I mean, it's almost like a fetish. Like if it's Bakersfield and it's rock and roll, I, I want it. Right? I'll, I'll put I'll, I'll put this out to anybody who's watching this podcast. Um, having a lot of fun. Uh, If you've got anything that you want posted, you know, send it in, you know, because right now it's a it's a film, but it's also a celebration of what we all went through. You know, uh, uh, Guppy, he said, you know what? This is important that you're doing this, Eric. Yeah, because to to a lot of people, it's closure because they they don't want to end on a on a note of just whimpering away like I was in a rock band. I was in a rock Mm -hmm. band. It didn't work out. And now I'm doing this. A lot of people don't want it don't want to let those things die. He said, so you making this film is closure. I I remember him telling me that, Uh, it stuck with me, right? So even though the film's out, we're gonna try and get it to a distributor. You know, right now, everything's on hold, right? Right. I couldn't, if I wanted to make a movie right now, it'd be stupid for me to go make a movie right now because I'd be asking other people to like, you know, to break social distancing. Production's down, writing's up, I write a lot, right? Um, But what we got right now is we got this, and we're going to try and take it to a distributor, but a lot, we're not going to stop. We're going to, I'm going to keep posting the pictures. I'm going to keep posting the flyers. I'm going to keep looking for new anecdotes. Keep looking for that one guy, that w- what one guy who's in a band that played, maybe he was in the East High or, you know, maybe they played one show and it meant something to him and his family was there and they took photos, right? And maybe his dad got beat up on the way out. I don't know. Right, right, right. Um, Dan is asking me. Nate, is your list of shows as big as Cesario's list of bands? Let me go on record right now and tell you, nothing (laughs) is as long and big as Cesario's list of
3: bands. (laughs) Right. But you're right, man.
1: You 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 use the word celebration a few times to describe the film and just continuing putting out, you know, uh, images and content as you find it. That's how it feels to me too. You know, it's almost become a part of my day where I, I check my phone and I'm like, all right, let's see some of these old cool mm. photos that Nate put up today. Like on my mean morning, I go out there and I check it. And I love it too. So yeah. I appreciate, I appreciate what you, what you're doing. I appreciate the movie so much. Oh, I appreciate you
2: guys too. Thanks. Thank you very much for, uh, for all of this. You know, I'd love to, uh, love to see how you progress. If there's anything I could do to contribute, you know, bring it on. Just let me know.
0: Absolutely. sure. quick question on the on the promoter stuff. What Mm -hmm. was like one of the craziest bands that you had that you dealt with?
2: Um. Well, in insane clown posse pulled a gun on uh, their their tour manager. Pulled a gun on my one of my good friends, Matt Riot, uh, Matt Snyder from the Soul Steppers. He was one of my loaders, right? He helped carry the gear in and out, and he got into an argument, and you know, I guess he got into words. And uh, the guy from, uh, they're from Detroit, right? And Detroit's pretty hard, hard town too, right? And he just opened up his jacket and showed, you know, showed him the, the steel, right? Um, that was pretty insane. Um,
3: no pun intended.
2: I, yeah, I, I, sticking with Bakersfield, I mean, there was a stretch where there was just so many events that happened. Um, I, there's some events that I can't even go on, on the record to talk about because so-and-so's, you know, you know, if I say something that happened, then so-and-so may end up getting the big Bakersfield Police Department you know, knocking on his door. Right. Yeah. So um, thinking about that. I mean, you know, you have uh, you have a lot of different venues and, you know, you have a, a, a lot of different you know, talent and stuff like that. Um, if I could pick one event that I thought was the most nuts, you know, I would uh, I would. I mean, obviously, Weezer comes to mind. But you know there there was a uh, there was a stretch. Uh, let me talk about High on Fire. Okay, High on Fire came and played. I mean, they won an Oscar,
3: right?
2: right? Yep. High on right. Fire are untouchable. They came and played, and this was the loudest band that I've ever heard play Jerry's Pizza, at my at the club that Jerry owns that I was booking bands at. Um, loudest band ever. I mean, their venue uh, that night they weren't nobody. They were opening for some other metal band. They were nobodies, but they got in there and they just they blew the breaker. And the power went out, not only at Jerry's, but at like six buildings down. It was nuts. I don't know how it happened. And it took like an hour and 45 minutes to get it set back up. I mean, for the 12 people that were there, it was extremely memorable to be sitting there listening. You know, there's the one guy in the front, you know, whipping his hair around, you know, like seven of his friends spilling beer on themselves. Yeah, that, that was the Jerry's Pizza motif, right? That was the vibe, right? Because some <laughs> yeah. of the shows did great. You know, we were extremely fortunate to hit at the right yeah. time. A lot of people call it the golden era of Bakersfield music was Jerry's Pizza from, you know, in 1996 through 2007, which happened, I was lucky to be part of those. I don't own that. It's it, it, the musicians, the music, the kids the scene and the energy of the people is what made it special. Right. Um, I will tell you this, that um, during that era, it was just nonstop. There would be a touring band that would come in. And three, there'd be three touring, remember the, the column line touring buses. They would have a trailer behind them. right? right? It would just be an eight passenger seat, you know, van. You'd walk by Jerry's and you'd see three vans there set up, right? And just three, three vans back to back to back loading the gear in, right? We don't see that anymore, hardly. No. right? It's the, the national circuits the same way. Now, If you look at the, a lot of the other national circuits it's like, and this is what got me worried about live music is the fact that the live circuits, you can have slow, slow draws and not very many shows in a town like Bakersfield, you know, you see it, but it happens in other towns as well, right? The other, what's happening in music right now is you're having the big ticket bands be able to get away with charging $150 or $250, yep. you know? And then you have um, the, the local bands can actually, but there's no mid-level bands anymore, right? You're either huge right, or you're small. Right. You're, you're huge or you're small. Back in the day, it was so easy to find a niche, right? The only, To me, the only real you know, way to bring that back is to kind of, you know, bands need to tap into viral marketing, all right? Um, but really, it comes down to competition, all Right? What do people want to do, all right? We're getting older. We know what we have to do, all right? Uh, at least I know you two are getting
1: older. Um, <laughs>
2: so, I know you're, what you're, you're talking
0: about. You're looking great. Yeah, you're looking great. Yeah. am <laughs> aging real bad. You're
1: like Benjamin <laughs> Button over there. Yeah. Oh, you guys look like a couple of brand new babies, eh?
2: Um, so the, the problem is, is, you know, because of social media, everything is viewable. You see it right now at the, 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 uh, the protests, right? Everyone's got a camera and they're going like this. Everyone wants to catch or something. So with live music, you know, this is what ends up happening. I don't want to sound negative. Just, I want to be honest because I see it. Right? I'm on social media. I see what happens in Bakersfield, even though I'm 3,000 miles away. I see what happens. You have shows going on, and if they're low turnouts, guess what, someone's li- someone's filming it, Facebook Live, all right. And then next thing you know, you know, you get a choice. You wanna go see this band play? No, no, let's just smoke a joint. Let's just watch, uh, right. you know, let's go watch some Netflix, right? So there's the comp, you know, there's a very big competition that live music's gonna have to jump. Now, look, it's easy to expect Tool to sell out, or Rage Against the Machine to sell out. It's really easy to expect those big tickets to do well. So the, the, the frontage of music, the, 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 the jewelry shop window, is we've got all of this talent and music is doing good, stadiums are packed. But what about the smaller clubs? What about the circuits? What about the three bands that are touring and parked besides Jerry's Pizza or The Gate or McDum- Montgomery World Plaza that are touring that one, the next big band is going to come from that pool? There is no feeder group anymore. It's it's it is, there's there's you you get local bands. I mean, God bless them. They go play free shows at the skateboard park, right? And they have fun. That's all they want to do. They don't want to make it big. You know, it's just I don't know where the next talent is going to be, where it's going to come from. It's Maybe maybe uh, viral marketing, right? That's you know, like this is a band from South Africa called Deontward. I'm sure you remember that. Right? Oh that yeah. Band. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. They made it big because of their videos, right? They are so nobodies.
0: They're, their videos are pretty crazy yeah
1: <laughs> yeah it's pretty wild
0: yeah, yeah so it's I, it's, I like beyond, it's beyond
2: it's well, beyond my comprehension
0: that's,
1: that's where the eyes are right i mean
2: yeah where, oh, where I was on eyes, social eyes media
1: years right yeah
2: yeah it's it's going to be very interesting right i mean i'm not too personally invested because i love films i finally discovered what i want to do right it took me years it took me years i mean i i graduated garces high school in 1990 and i went to fresno state Right? I wanted to be an English major. I wanted to be Ernest, Ernest Hemingway. I was pissed off at the world and I discovered punk rock, you know, in the late, you know, my late teens. And when I went to Fresno State, I discovered that I didn't have to go to psychology class. I could just not go. Hey. After two years, yeah, yeah. after
1: two <laughs> Oh
2: yeah. <laughs> oh, you're in a- Oh, Yo, that's right. You're a- How does that make you feel? You be- do.
1: <laughs> no, Man. I'm the more I don't know. I'm the more uh, scientific end of psych, but still, uh, okay. yeah, yeah. yeah. Good. And
2: there's nothing wrong with that, but I, you know, I, I could just drink beer and go to punk shows and I'd be part of the music business. So I got into the music business. So this is great. So I didn't want to be a, uh, a, a writer anymore. Right. I didn't want to be an English lit. I dropped out of college. I got into promoting shows in Fresno, got into a band, you know, and then I wanted to be a rock and roll star. I wanted to be a band. I want to be a big shot. Right. Um, and then that didn't work out, and then I dialed it down and, you know, I, I started a family. I'm going to give this family thing a go. I have a wonderful son that lives up here in Toronto with me. Well, not in, with me. He, he's got his own life on the other side of town. Um, but then I'm going to be a promoter because that way I could stay close to the rock and roll,
3: right?
2: Um, and then after promoting shows for such a long, long time, having tremendous eyes, making friends, making enemies, you know, make it help, helping be a part of something that a lot of people created. Right. It exhausted me. So I came to Canada. I became a telemarketer. Right? And I was really good. It was like Wolf of Wall Street stuff. I was really good at it. You know, we're standing on our desk yelling at customers. Um, and, I, and I got burnt out of that. Right. So then I worked. I worked in a clothing store. I, I worked assistant general manager to an elevator company. And I've been yet to find what I want to die doing. Right, mm-hmm. and I finally, you know, and Bakersfield's helped me tremendously with this because it gave me the perfect canvas to come out and say, "Wow, I made a film, and I couldn't have done it without my friends." Right, and there's a lot of people to thank for that. Right, it's a tremendous, a long list. You know? Um, and hopefully I could do right by them, continuing this. Right? Hopefully I could, you know, you know, honor the memory of a lot of people that that didn't make it this far. And there's a lot of them and I'm, yeah. I, I, I post something in Memorial about somebody and I think, okay, that's it. That's the last person um, that we lost. I don't have to do another one of these Memorial posts and then something else will come up. Another name will come up. Right. Cause, the, but that's just cause we're getting older and it's going to continue to happen. Right. Yeah. So when I finally found out the journey of all these other things I did, I don't take back, you know, being a promoter, I don't take that back for, the world right it's just something i went through if it wasn't for that i wouldn't have these experiences to share tonight on a uh, was it friday night that's friday night Party. um yeah um with you with two good friends i wouldn't have these experiences um but i finally decided that you know i'm going to be working into my 80s i want to be martin scorsese so let's get it on
3: right
0: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> let's make more films with friends well right? it's cool because you get to capture all that right so that when unfortunately when those memorial things come up you can link to that you know you can link to that to go hey this was this person this is what they did this is celebrate man yeah yeah it's 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 super cool like how you can take that full circle yeah right and and that's that's awesome so I'm glad I'm thankful that you're doing this sort of stuff because no no one has stepped up to do that and so when when I saw that you were gonna be working on this I was like oh this is gonna be cool and I knew it wasn't gonna be the only one either so, yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, there's more ideas,
2: there's more ideas. I, any town is, you know, you could frame any town and, and do a film on any, any town and just Bakersfield is just like, if you step outside and see it, like I see it, because I've been gone for such a long time, right? And they call it the boomerang town, right? Even Todd Thompson yeah. from Big Jed had a song called, uh, um, what was it called, uh, The uh, Big Magnet. You know, it's a great, great country song. We put it in the film, right, you know, right before his memorial, because he passed. And he, was soon, Mark said, it. he said, as soon as you leave this town, it always drags you back, all right? I'm not going back, but I still have tremendous love and my heart for it, for my hometown, because it's my hometown, it's my town, all Right? In the 80s, I'd sit down in front of TV, and I'd see, uh, I'd see Johnny Carson and, and Jay Leno, like, making fun of Bakersfield on their talk right. show all the time, right? right. Bakersfield, right. Fre- right. Bak- Bakersfield, Fresno. And I was thought that was cheap for them to get you know, some jokes out of our town, because I lived here. Right, my family moved here. I thought it was cheap. I held a grudge against Johnny Carson and Jay Leno for that, right? And so making bones of Brundige just kind of like, yeah, but this is you know, this is honest. This is what it was really like. It was brutal, and we've made a piece of entertainment about it, right? So the jokes on him, all right? And it's the, kind of like that that Bakersfield vibe everywhere I go. I mean, even in Toronto, I still have that Bakersfield vibe. i be, mean, <laughs> I was
3: on
2: the I was on the subway. Now, this happened like. This happened like last summer, not this summer, last summer. I was on the subway, and I, I play. I listened to loud music on my headphones, not these headphones, but on my other headphones. And it's sometimes on the subway, it's so loud that other people could hear it. So I'm sitting on, on the back, you know, a subway chair, and this guy leans over to me, and he taps me on the shoulder. He says, "Do you think you could turn your music down?" And I'm like listening to like Tesseract or something like that on Earth, right? <laughs> <rather laughs> some some heavy metal. You know, I'm just getting my groove on to where I'm gonna go. Do you think you could turn your music down? I looked at us and I said, Poof. "Don't you know? Don't you? I'm from Bakersfield, dude. Don't you know? <laughs> Don't you know?"
0: <laughs> nice to meet you. Yeah.
2: So we take no matter where we go, we take that chip with us. I mean, some people, you know, and God bless them. I mean, they they go get families in Portland, they move on. Um, but it's such a special place, right? And the music scene itself—it's such a special place outside of the music scene, right? Um, but it's a matter of, you know, if you can see it the way I see it, um, I, I don't take it for granted anymore. Every time I go back, I hit the high notes. The first thing I do, when I, and I've done this twice, when I come back to Bakersfield, is I convince one of my friends to drive out to Union and, like, Pacheco or Union and, like, Greenfield. Uh, or actually, there's, there's a taco stand that's right on the Union of 58, right where all this, you know, the, the, the prostitution goes on. Right across the street, the taco carts come in. And I just sit there, you know, with the tacos – and the lengua and the sebace, a fine Bakersfield Valley Mexican food, you know, mm-hmm. crunch up some lime. Bring and just that
0: fresh air. Oh, hot sauce. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And
2: just, I said, Oh, there's nothing like it. Uh, all I need now is like a 40 ounce of King Cobra. And I'm sick. <laughs>
0: <Right? laughs> <laughs> <laughs> it's, awesome. uh, it's true. Uh, that's true. Yeah. I mean, even, um, we've met a lot of people who like Jordan and I, when we were playing together, we, you know, a lot of friends from Fresno and stuff would come down and play Bakersfield. They still talk about that. They go, "Oh, remember when we played that yeah. time we played the Jerry's at the gate," or so all those things continue, even from people that have just been here for a show or two, and go back and say, "You guys need to stop in Bakersfield. Those guys know how to have fun." Or oh, yeah. hey, we played a show there that they went nuts, and like, you need to go. With, you need to book a show there and, and see what's up. Well, so, Bakersfield has a great reputation.
2: All right, it has a great reputation if you if you like. What we like, what Jordan Mike, and Nate like and ever, thousands of other people, if you're into that sort of stuff, because it's eminently accessible. All right? Jerry's Pizza, for example, in the gate, I, I never did business with Rob, um, but he had a sound business plan and a great, you know, a great idea of how he wanted to run his venue. Um, but Jerry, he gave me the cheapest rent. I talked to other promoters in other towns. As a promoter, he gave me the most fair price for, to rent the venue. It was, he was practically giving it to me. All right, I mean, it was such a cheap price. So that allowed me to do lots of different shows and allowed mm-hmm. other promoters to do lots of different shows. I mean, there was the bullpen, there was Wrigley's, there was, there was this, the Romper Room, Mannequins, yeah, yeah, so many different mm-hmm. clubs. So Bakersfield, when the gates opened, all these different, you know, Fresno had like three or four solid venues right. eventually. Mm-hmm. And, but their rents were expensive. To do a show in Fresno cost a lot of money. And I, I did shows in Fresno, right, And uh, were, it was a tough market up there too i remember the show eddie Numskull and i did um was as i lay dying right up in fresno i a place called uh big game studios show sold out you know as I Lay dying is about to play the first song fire marshal comes down we're over capacity
3: right
2: <laughs> we're over capacity i said i said eddie i'll be right back so i got in my car and took a phone i had this other cell phone that uh, that didn't uh, didn't have my number on it it was like a an unlisted cell phone Right, pay as you go, right? Drove down the street, drove down a couple blocks, drove like all the way down to Divisadero Street, the like South Resno, got on the phone, called nine one one, said there's a big fire over here on Divisadero by the warehouse. You gotta send all guys down here. People are gonna be running out of with their hair on fire. Right? Thinking that they would they would send the fire marshals down there. Right? So, that's the
1: that's the shady promoter story I like. <laughs>
2: I Fresno, awesome. it, it, it's a great scene. It's a, it's a great music scene. Um, it's its big. You got a lot, a lot of other different communities there. You have the Hmong community, the Spanish community is huge. They got the college, you know, um, and it's got a great music scene. They got more trees up there. There's a lot more trees. So the vibe is different. It's not dusty like Bakersfield, right? right? right. It, it, the country Western thing kind of exists up there, but it's not, it's part of our identity in Bakersfield. You know, Cesario said it really well, Bakersfield, uh has changed the music scene um in the world the the international music scene twice with outlaw country you know with the merle haggards and then with new metal and aggressive metal corn's one of the biggest bands in the world still when it comes to hard rock right right? um and our documentary film i'm I'm so grateful that it's not a corn film jonathan davis is in it um and his story is part of it right because uh he was there right and uh it is their story uh, in a sense, they had to escape in order to get big, right? So they escaped Bakersfield, um, and now they're coming back, right? You know, they, all those guys like Jonathan Davis and, uh, and uh, the other the other guys, Fieldy and Reggie Rvs. They all live here, right? They all live in Bakersfield. And they got families here, and you know, so they yeah. they could be the big shot in LA, or they could just come home, right? Home is where the heart is, right? Yeah, and that's a beautiful thing, right? So. Um, yeah, Fresno, yeah, it's because we had so many good venues and they were they were accessible. So there was this time that it was just like, there was times, I remember times when Mission Tonight was playing at the gate. I had a show at Jerry's. It was two other shows going on across town, all right? And then there's these, these, these uh, you know, convoys of touring bands coming in, all right? I want to see that again. Is it going to happen? I have no expectation. I can't take a part in it, yeah. all right? I found what I want to do. Right, a lot of people think when I come back to Bakersfield, oh, is that Nate guy? He's going to start promoting shows again. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? I said, no, no. I, I I took from it what I needed, and you know the the baton has been passed on to somebody else
3: thirteen years ago. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, yeah. And I remember you you did a couple shows. I mean, you were you've already left, but you know you booked a couple shows for my band, um, uh, Reddit Air at the um, what what venue was? They've changed it so uh, many uh, times now. It was a Guttermouth. Uh, uh, yeah, you played with uh, you played with Agent Orange. Agent Orange and Guttermouth, and um, uh, yeah, I forget what I forget the the venue it was on. It's on the other side of town. Um, well, you guys are solid, man. Air was, was a great band. That was that was a fun show. So I was like, it was cool to see see you like doing a couple shows here and there. That was kind of cool. Yeah, I tried um, to dip
2: my my feet into it, but I, I hadn't yeah. even got a whiff of of indie films yet. Right. Yeah. I, I was still yeah. floating around saying, should I do it? Should I not do it? That was 2014. Right. Um Red, Red Adair was a great band. There's so many good bands. You know, we could we could probably have a ten hour pod- podcast talking about like He's every talking about single minute. Band. Yeah. So much talent in Bakersfield, right? And so much of it slipped through the cracks, so much of it was elevated. Just as I'm speaking right now to answer uh, Dan's question about, you know, what band, you know, you think could have made a big miss bliss. All right. Talk about a a, a strange prognosis, just like this dreamy band, yeah. right? A dreamy with a, with a gentle singer, right? And they had some rhythm. They had some groove. They were in that new metal like era where bands like that were actually getting put on the national stage, right? If they would have, you know, of, of course, you know, my guess is, is my prognosis is that, look, they should have gone and moved to LA. They should have gone on the road, right? Because that's my answer to everything, right? If you want to make it big, you can't stay in Bakersfield. You can't. Right? you gotta you gotta do what the other guys do, right? The big boys do, and that's just what it takes, right? What it, yeah. whatever it takes. A little bit of that rubbed off on me because I, you know, I didn't have a tremendous budget for this film, but I decided to say, you know what, I'm going to make it anyway, and I inscripted the help of my friends. Right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you got to start from somewhere, and then you just could iterate, you know? Yeah. So I, I
2: again, I, I couldn't have done it without my friends. Uh, I we didn't do it with much. We we shot it with a, a with a phone, I right? was shot it with a, a S6 and a, an iPhone.
0: Yeah, I remember I remember seeing that where I was like, oh, this, you know, the setup they got going is perfect for what they need to do. Like is yeah. the quality yeah. of all that is is really good these days, so you don't need you don't need this huge production to do something, you know. Um it is to start off like like you guys did. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah it was, I tried
1: to I tried to record I was recording some music here in this in this room. And I thought, oh, I want this part on with the guitar to sound kind of crummy, you know, kind of like lo-fi. I was like, I'll just throw my phone down because that'll probably do it and, just, and uh-huh. just play into my phone. It sounded better than some of the uh-huh. things I put into my software. Put, it, put it in a bag yeah. of Pringles. Put it in a bag of Pringles. Salt yeah, that's, of the next, it. that's the next trick, I think. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, 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 Nate, to go back, what you just mentioned was, you know, there's so many... Stories and so many people to talk to, and that's that's sort of why Jordan and I wanted to start this is getting getting a lot of those stories from getting a bunch of different people on, you know, talk about their bands, their upcoming stuff, the stuff they've done in the past. Like, it's just cool to get that, you know, get that info out there too, oh, yeah. because it's like, oh, I, I remember that band. I didn't know he was in that band, you know, or um, it's
2: well, you just- guys are gonna you guys are gonna do great. You guys are gonna do well. You're off to a, a rip roaring good start you have a slick production, you're, you're, you know, your heartfelt people and you've got this huge pool of resources of musicians and artistic types yeah. who are, who feel marginalized because of what the world has thrown down upon them that you live in Bakersfield. Right. Right. Yeah. You know? My attitude is like, yeah, you're damn right. I live in Bakersfield. Right. There's no limitations. Right. So because of the, the rise of indie films and online films and Netflix and prime and, and, and all this and the rise of podcasts, right? Because there's a lot of people that are doing quality podcasts nationwide. So you've got this tremendous uh, opportunity to utilize that and and kind of bring some of these other players to life, right? I mean, you probably have 150 episodes in you this year.
1: We could or- easily do this probably every day. I mean, just from just like after the first one you know we I, we had people reaching out like hey could maybe we be on the show kind of thing and but but more about like just yeah the negative attitude sometimes about bakersfield I, even when uh, around here when there are times when there's feels like there's a boom in venues and there's lots of places to play and there's more bands that want that want to play because there's a spot for them and then there's kids that have nothing to do and they want to go out and be a part of something right and you kind of see it ebb and flow and then maybe there's like couple venues that like the kids can get into you know and then it gets picks back up but there's never a shortage like there's always a handful of like just really kick-ass musicians and kick-ass bands here like i can't i can't think of a time where there wasn't at least you know like a dozen that uh i, I just wanted to turn everybody on to
2: the you know? uh the venues and the bands they'll, they'll never be a shortage like you said yeah yeah it, it's an interesting specific position because uh, it's the evolution of venues and the circuit within Bakersfield and in any town has changed. The venues are no longer like clubs like Bam Bams where they exist just for live music and maybe sell some cocktails over here. Now what you're seeing is you're seeing the promoters actually. And this is not me being negative. This is just the way it is. You see a lot of in-house bookings happen in breweries, right, or in bars where you know it's like they're they're actually bars. They have a crowd. Right, they uh, they they have their own crowd that's going to be there anyway. So it changes the dynamic. So it's so hard to gauge a band's draw. I mean, I know this is this is shop talk. This is total shop talk, right? When you talk about correct. bands' draw, but if you want to know how you can you know in, how you can uh, engage a band or you know nurture a band, you need to know how many people are going to see them, right? So when you have these bands playing bars, you don't know, right? So a lot of shows that are happening in Bakersfield right now, a lot of these venues. I have a lot of friends. I went to Garces. So I have a lot of friends that are actually, you know, they're they're agriculture guys. You know, they've all a lot of them have come back into my life recently. I mean, I've I've got so many friends um, from Garza's who've reached out to me because some of them used to pick on me, but now they see I'm living a different (laughs) way of life, right? So a lot of them have opened their own craft breweries, and then they've got a stage and had bands play, and it's not just one; it's probably about what four or five craft
0: breweries in Bakersfield now, maybe more than that. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of them are spinning up, yeah.
2: So it's never going to be, it's in my opinion is it's never going back to the way we learned it. Right. I was, I was, I told somebody the other day, I said, you know what, you know what we don't see at concerts anymore in the last, we haven't seen it for about, about 2008, 2009. We haven't seen people with their shirt off. right? You used to know it was a good yeah. show yeah. when there was like everybody in the pit Everybody on the slam pit had their shirts off and it was just primary smudge and smashed up against each other. And it's probably very unhygienic, but, you know, you don't see that anymore. One of my favorite things to do after a show at Jerry's is is clear everybody out and go downstairs and look for wallets. All right. (laughs) You don't see people. (laughs) You You don't see people taking their shirts off. Right. So music has gone from this. It's gone from this tribal, crazy thing, and it was—it was always more tribal and crazy in Bakersfield because of its nature. It's gone. Music has gone now to this. It's gone to like,
3: hmm.
2: oh yeah. All
3: right. Uh,
2: hold on, hold on. Okay, I'll see you at the bar. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's gone to that. That's not me talking shit because, of course, the big boys—you bring Ghost to town or Tool to town—you're gonna have a, a full house, and everyone's going bananas. But it all starts in the small venues because without the small venues, without the little guys, there is no Tool, there is no Metallica, uh, yeah. there is no Slayer. Slayer played over there on Union Avenue to forty people in nineteen
3: eighty
1: four. Now look. you got yeah foot, footage of that one.
2: <laughs> well, I'd kill for the footage of that. Oh one. right, <laughs> I'd, yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd kill for that. I'd kill for it. you know. I, but it, I tell you something, I, I I'm getting I'm. I'm getting closer to all this. I mean, the people are sending me photographs. It feels like, it's almost like, it's a slow ebb, but it, I'm getting all the stuff that I really wanna see. Right? And it's all because people are being kind to send it in and they, they're starting to value their me- memories, right? Because this is, it's a, yeah. we're yeah. human beings, but so before we're punk rockers or, or, or music aficionados with great taste, three of us, right? Before they, <laughs> Flattery will get you everywhere. <laughs> uh, before we're all that, we're also human beings, right? So, you know, we get emotional about this stuff, you know, because I enjoyed watching, seeing, you know, a six-on-one fight in front of Jerry's because that that's where the excitement was. I'm too old to be close to that anymore, right? <laughs> all right. But right. So we're never going back, right? We're never going back. So we kind of have, like, this kind of an obligation to cherish it, right, and to help other people mm-hmm. cherish it.
0: I'm too old to take my shirt off too, by the way. So.
1: He's, he's full of shit on that. He's in every pit with his shirt off.
0: Oh, people would pay
2: twelve dollars to see that down at the Kern County Fair.
1: I, I love at Capone
2: next to Al Capone's corpse, right? <laughs> You're
1: yeah. yeah, right. All those old shenanigans at those Jerry shows too, like with Mikey and I forget who it was, with the hairy ass contest and like you know <laughs> in the middle of someone's set. And, or when yeah. people used to throw cigarettes at your band if they liked you, you know all that kind of stuff. And- oh
3: yeah,
2: I remember Dennis, Dennis from Active Ingredients, one time. He, I think he threw out like porno mags. Like, and there was like a bunch of there was a bunch of like uh, uh like parents there that night because I think when the opening <laughs> bands like you are from Highland High School and they were very straight-laced like pop punk band. So there was a bunch of kids and parents there, and Dennis is like throwing out broken skateboards and like ripped up porno mags. <laughs> All right, that's just the tip of the iceberg, right? Yeah, right, right, yeah, right. Yeah. You should have Dennis on, eh? You should. You
0: should <laughs> yeah. Seriously. should reach out to Dennis for sure. Yeah, the guys that's in the cool. Tank, they're
2: keeping that skate rock, you know, thing going.
0: Tank's a great band, man. Great mm-hmm. band. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, there's a lot of good stuff going on, you know. And what's, you know, the good thing about, you know, bands being able to kind of settle a little bit and not have to go out and play shows, is, you know, new material's being written. Bands, bands are still working. You know, they're, they're, however, they can get files back and forth to each other to start writing songs and working on it. You know, when if if however this all opens up again, you are gonna you are gonna hear a lot of new music, and it's just gonna go. There is gonna be so much fresh music. I think that people are gonna come out and just be like, "This is awesome." One hundred percent,
2: one hundred percent, right? It could be a renaissance, right? I mean, I've I've shared my opinions, you know, um, good and bad. Um, but it could be a Renaissance. It could be greater and more special than we could ever imagine. Like people actually, you know, it's like a, a reset, like a total reset. Right. Yeah. And, and people have taken this time to like write songs and forge new bonds with other musicians and, you know, learn more. right? right. Cause if you're a hardworking musician, where do you find the time to actually learn more outside of experience? right? right? So anything's possible, man. Anything, I'm looking forward to it. You know, we've got, as a society, we got a lot of work to do, right? It's it's pretty mm-hmm. scary times out there. Yeah,
0: we got a lot of work yeah. to do, for sure. A, a yeah, that's for sure. Yeah.
1: Well, there's something about, like, that, you know, it's like an existential kind of crisis, right? We think, like, okay, there's this virus, and then, then things get shut down. Uh, we have all these new regulations to follow, and you have nothing to do but, like, reflect on that. You know, I always think, like, okay, now the ball is in our court, like, what are we going to do? We're reflecting, yeah. you know, what, how do we make the most out of this? You know, like you guys are talking about, right. Right. So write some stuff right now. And we come
2: you put know, it online
1: and what you just said, yeah, Jordan,
3: Jordan, I think that's
1: wrote, why people are reaching out. Right. You said from your yeah. past, because they're reflecting yeah. and they're going, Oh shit. Like this is all more fragile than we thought. It's you also know? time
2: management. They have less things to do on their hands.
3: Right. Yeah, for sure.
2: For sure. Look, that's a the pragmatic that approach. That's the it pragmatic approach. Is. Once in a while, because I'm always on social media, you just reminded me of something, as we're talking about the world and the current status of what's going on.
0: um, Once in a while I'll
2: post, because I post some stuff that's kind of tomfoolery on Facebook, I I love stirring the the drink and stirring up shit, right? So once in a while I'll post something that makes fun of Greta Thunberg, right? The the environmentalist from Sweden, the little girl. But she could be onto something, because Greta did say that change is coming, whether you like it or not. Right so I think about that all the time. All right? This is an opportunity for society to perhaps change. Maybe she's talking about a different kind of change. Or maybe she's like omniscient. I don't know. But God bless her all the same.
0: Yeah. Absolutely.
2: Right, right. Yeah. So how, yeah. how are you guys doing? Come on, how are you guys doing? How's the family? How's how's everything?
1: Family's uh family's good. We're all we're all at home on uh you know, Zoom all the time because you know, I'm in, I work in education, so is my wife, and then of course my daughter's going to school. So we're just kind of like living the laptop life right now, all at home. Well, but, how old is she now? Uh, she's in second grade, so she she's seven years old.
2: How is she handling yeah. that? Like, I mean, the school and it's a new world out there. She,
1: uh, it's not it's not easy for her. Yeah, she, um, you know, she's an only child too. So we try to find like play dates with families that we think are you know keeping it as safe as possible and that kind of stuff, but it's It's a challenge, man. Um, you know, it's it's pretty much just my wife and I, they're the three of us. you know, we're getting really tight and getting on each other's nerves sometimes, too. but mm, okay. but but uh, but it's good. and um work is different. you know, I'm a college professor now I talk into this screen. <laughs> you know and, yeah. hope, and hope hope my students are watching it all and taking notes. You you should know, have invested hard. in Zoom, Zoom stock
2: in Zoom. Uh, no bad. kidding, man.
1: But I got yeah. some I got some potential like musical projects in the work too, so I'm I'm pretty excited about that.
2: You got a name yet? You' name for it?
1: No, I don't. We don't have all the uh, the players yet necessarily, but uh, there's there, I think there's some really good potential there. We'll see.
2: Once in a while, when I when I had a show and it was missing a band, I really need to make the flyer. All right, I'd I'd, I'd put a, a made up band's name on the flyer, like just a band did not yeah. exist because I, and I use the same name all the time: the Elevator Cables. <laughs> Is so, that it? <laughs> so,
0: because so yeah, you know,
2: you're when you're when you're making these flyers that are like seven different shows, you got a deadline. These got to get on the street, but I've only got one show half booked. Well, I just put a band on there that doesn't exist. So it was always the elevator cables. So if you want, if you send me twenty nine dollars and ninety five cents,
0: I will give you the rights to the ele- the elevator. Can cables.
1: I d- can I do that in installments?
0: <laughs> Dude, that is so great,
1: man. Elevator cables. I like it.
0: Yeah, so, um, Nate, it's crazy, right? Because, like, my my oldest is 21 in January. And Blake used to, like, go to the gate shows, like, when he was little. And, like, Lauren would be pregnant taking photos mm-hmm. at the gate in a Jerry's. I remember. It's just so crazy, right? Like, how, how that is. Like, it's just such a trip when you think back on it. Um, you know, my two other boys, I made them run the door at one of our last shows. So that was kind of cool Jerry's like that was fun I was like hey you guys you guys run the door yeah you guys <laughs> click collect the money and the tickets and scan the you know the fancy probably, thing probably a little safer now all right yeah yeah it was yeah. it was good yeah it was good but it was it's just funny how you can bring that that full circle there because you know they didn't get to see me play all that much and so um having them run the door and just kind of being at shows at Jerry's now because they're they can go down there um it's just super cool and my oldest is just He's just a wacko. I love him. He's just so crazy, and like he'll go down to the metal metal shows or the punk shows down there, hardcore shows, and just pit all night long. And I'm like, this is this this is this is young Mikey. This is what it, this is what I used to do. So yeah. I'm just sitting there. I'm just sitting there going, "Hey, this is awesome." Hey, who? Who is this? This
1: this is Aurora. You want to say Aurora. hi to everybody? Yeah. Say hi.
3: I love that movie, Dad.
1: Oh, right on. What movie was it?
3: Uh, Howl's Moving Castle.
1: How's Moving Castle. That's a good one. Yeah, uh, awesome. Hey, hey, hey! What? I know how to
3: I know how to change the mirror effect to make it go
1: away. Oh, I don't want it to go away. I want to be able to see these guys. <laughs> you see these go. guys?
0: She wants to disconnect this. She's like, all right, guys, you got it. You got That's it. That's Uncle
1: Mikey right there. That's Nate. You say <laughs> hi to Nate.
0: What's up, bro? <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: That's
2: a good one. Aurora, how you doing? Good to see
1: you. Can you close the door?
0: <laughs> That's so good, right? So good. Oh. Oh.
1: You didn't pay her to do that, did you? oh no. Yeah. She's, she makes a lot of guest appearances for my my lectures That's class.
3: yeah, so sweet, so sweet,
2: so sweet. Yeah, the, uh, the 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 kids, eh? You know, my son, I give him a hard time sometimes, you know, because he, he's into like prog metal, and we share bands sometimes, All right. So, um, you know, I was telling him, like, you know, he's going to see a concert. I say, what Nickelback? Right? And he he gets really burnt out. Right? <laughs> I tag him to all these Nickelback posts, like, you know, you're to like a Nickelback, you know, post on their website with my son's name, Jordan Berg,
3: right? <laughs> oh man. <laughs> we uh, we
1: took her to her her first concert was uh the Aquabats. Oh yeah, that was a lot of fun. It's like perfect for a little kid, you know, but it still kind of rocks. And was that at Gate or San Luis Obispo? Or? Where well, the first one was in? Man, I'm trying to remember now. I think they, well, the first one was in San Diego.
2: Okay. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. We were there just for a different reason, I looked at my phone. I was like, "Oh," and we we're Aquabats, like on a loop in the car, you know. I, I was like, that, "They're playing like tomorrow that, night. Let's go." You know? I hear that
3: you're talking about that. I mean, I can see you from Mom's phone. I can see him for mom's fun, and and he's and he's selling personal information online because he's gonna post this online.
1: <laughs> oh no, she ratted me out. My side business, You're stealing oh, yeah. your information, and selling it all.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Take it all. Take it.
1: All my personal info. Take my advice. I'm not doing anything with it. <laughs>
3: right. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good. One. <laughs> oh man! But yeah, that was oh.
1: awesome. Just to see her light up, you know, watching the bands, and was like, all right, let me more of this in our future.
2: Aquabats it's a good first show. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's fun. It's like, it's kind of four kids and their parents at the same time, you know.
2: Yeah, it's it's funny because they, I mean, back in our day, you know, when I when I went to my first show. I, my parents dropped me off. I went to Salamares. It was like the mentors at Salamares, nineteen eighty-seven. Yeah. And I had my parents. It was a Baker Street, and uh, uh, Sherry put it on. Uh, Mark helped. Uh, it was a big. It was the mentors on on uh, on Baker Street and Truxton, right? Really bad CDs out of town. But my dad volunteered to take me anyway and drop. But, but I made him drop me off like a block away because I didn't yeah. want him yeah. on to see. Me being dropped off by my parents at the punk show right, right? right and then to think of it though how dangerous that was and this is no cell phones what am i going to do if i wanted to call my dad i'd have to you know run from whatever trouble and go to the the convenience store down there on california avenue or something or just run and then drop some quarters in a payphone right yeah and, and then he would come pick me up at like when the show was over right and you know it's that was how, to, Now, nowadays, kids have this easy interface with rock, right? You know, rock is a lot safer, right, in so many different mm-hmm. levels. You know, and, and mainly because it's not in Bakersfield. <laughs> you know, that's another <laughs> thing. Right? You see how Weezer are, right? You see how, how, how kid-friendly Weezer is, right? And they've always kind of been a very pop band, but kids mm-hmm. have that to choose from now. Back in our day, it was like, I mean, you, New Wave was one thing, but New Wave was untouchable. If you were into Duran Duran, or if you were into like uh, the Thompson Twins or Orchestral Maneuvers in the in the dark, and you wanted to go see that music performed, you would have to go to the L.A. Coliseum or something. Mm-hmm. You couldn't just you know roll into a club in the '80s. So we got it. We got it good in the '90s. The kids got it good now. They got it good now because yeah. they have everything. Uh, uh, they can reach mom and dad. All right. They could. Uh, they could keep themselves entertained. They could educate themselves. 'Cause of modern technology, right? Yep. It's a trip. All right. And if I ever if I ever have some good news, like back in the eighties, if I got a job promotion or something good was happening in my life in the eighties or the nineties, the early nineties, I'd have to get a big bag of quarters and go to the payphone to call everybody. <laughs> now, hey Jordan, I got that job. Now it's just like blip 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 blip. All right. Everybody knows my shit. All right.
0: Yeah, it's like, oh well he's yeah. not answering his answering machine. I'm gonna I'm gonna beep him. I'll send him a beep. And uh, hopefully he'll get back to me.
2: <laughs> but people, people still need to take their shirts off at shows. That's Absolutely. it.
0: You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna make a promise right here. The first show I go back to, I'm taking my shirt off. <laughs> I'm gonna hold you to that, Bubba.
1: He was gonna do that anyway. <laughs>
0: <laughs> not, if I, not if I'm playing it though. Only if I'm in the.
1: Oh no! Come on.
0: Nobody wants oh, yeah. is... to. <laughs>
2: So, I'll put you in the middle of the dance floor. Everyone can, draw, yeah. you know, fit around you like a maypole.
3: <laughs> put some ribbon. Some stand ribbon. there like this.
1: Oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hands up in the air.
3: Yeah. Oh
0: man. All right, Nate. I know it's uh, it's getting pretty late over there for you. Oh, I'm exhausted, but I love it.
2: I love it. I could go another couple of hours, but let's uh, let's Absolutely. save some of the tack. Yeah, um,
0: yeah. Maybe which we way could, I- uh, Maybe we could sync up again some other time later down oh, the road. and beautiful. And uh, we really appreciate you jumping on with us, man. It's been a oh, lot of fun.
2: I, uh, I'm i grateful for the opportunity. You guys are top-notch people, and uh, you're going to go far with us. And uh, Bakersfield rocks. Always
1: has. Always will. Oh, yeah. Bakersfield rocks. I like it. Thank yeah. you, Nate.
0: Take right, care. Cool. Thanks, everyone. Right. Thanks, everyone, for joining. Hi, Bye, everyone.
3: Now.